Fox News podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. The FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago continues to make waves in the political world and the legal world, as some debate the merits of the FBI's actions. Others speculate whether it may have inadvertently given former President Trump a boost to his 2024 presidential hopes. Yeah, I would love for the FBI and department to not have been politicized, but I got to get in a time machine and go back six years for that to happen. For this and more, we bring in our panel, Fox News political analyst Juan Williams, Main Street columnist at The Wall Street Journal, Bill McGurn, and Fox News business correspondent Hillary Vaughn at The White House today. Hillary, the White House seems to be taking this kind of a standoffish uh, Heisman Award stiff arm uh, approach to the story of the the raid and what the FBI is doing, what the DOJ is doing. That's still the case, right? Yeah, Brett, that's still the case. And the president was asked today, actually, if he has any national security concerns over some of the materials found at Mar-a-Lago. He chose not to answer that question and instead talk about the first lady quarantining amid her positive COVID result. But um, we've seen multiple White House officials kind of sidestep really directly addressing this. But I think what is interesting is how this story progresses over the next several months, but even past the November midterms could have a direct impact on how the president is impacted in a you know potential reelection run in 2024. What the DOJ does on President Biden's watch could blow, potentially blow back on him if it's if it's controversial. And of course, this has implications for a potential former President Trump run in 2024 if he's mired in controversy. Is that a nominee that Republican voters want to pick uh, in in 2024? Yeah, Bill, it's. We're getting word that uh, former White House counsel uh, to President Trump, Pat Cipollone, was interviewed by the FBI as a part of this investigation. We know he's also been interviewed by the January 6th committee. There are a number of investigations going on uh, involving the former president and his administration. How much does this factor into people's thought process about politics? I know there is this surge of Trump support because people think that the you know, the Trump supporters think that the raid is is more example of, of a fishing expedition. But, you know, if push comes to shove and they they have some something, uh, how much does this factor in? Well, I think it depends on where you come from. Uh, a lot of people, Democrats and even Republicans who don't like Trump and think he did something wrong, um, they see this as as justice that um Trump is not exempt. A lot of other people, you know, millions of people, including many in the Republican Party, see this as just further pursuit of Trump and double standards by a um, uh, a Justice Department and an FBI that they no longer trust due to um, past investigations. So I think we can all agree it's highly polarizing. Um, I hope it's justified because if it isn't, I think the damage is going to be uh, tremendous. Juan, your thoughts? 
Well, I think, you know, you have to consider the source and the source here is the Justice Department under the control of Merrick Garland. And he has quite a history, recent history in this town, having been the man that was nominated by former President Obama uh, for the Supreme Court. That nomination never got a hearing or a vote because of Republican uh, obstruction on Capitol Hill. But the reason I mention it is that Garland was nominated because he was viewed inside the Obama White House as a moderate to conservative uh, member of the federal courts, the federal judiciary, someone who could win Republican approval. Uh, and so now here he is as the attorney general. Uh, Bill's newspaper reported that he gave several weeks of consideration to taking the action of going to seek the documents that the National Archives indicated uh, President Trump was still holding despite subpoenas and requests. The next thing I wanted to mention is that the current head of the FBI, uh, you know, Director Ray, is a Trump appointee. And yet we see these threats of violence and anger, you know, even on this podcast, we talked about, you know, millions of people who see this as somehow, you know, banana republic, one administration, the Democrats now going after the predecessor Republican. But in fact, uh, what you also have to understand is that the people who are in charge of government and who are trying to assure the idea that no person is above the law are in many cases not wild-eyed radicals or left-wingers, but pretty much people who operate in the sense of wanting to be patriots and wanting government to function. Um, and I guess that contributes to what Bill was saying about depends where you come from, but it is greatly puzzling that people would not say, hey, why was the former president holding on to any documents, especially documents that were marked as sensitive or classified? It's a puzzle. Yeah. And obviously, there have been shifting answers uh, from the, the Trump folks about whether he declassified documents, whether... Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of things. Attorney-client privilege. Uh, he said a number of different things so far. And we'll see where this defense goes. And if we learn more about what led to the probable, probable cause to do what they did. All right. We're going to take a quick pause here. We'll be back after this. Hillary, in the meantime, is the White House, as the president signs this bill into law today, called the Inflation Reduction Act, but bipartisan groups say it doesn't do that title, um, are they feeling more emboldened as they head towards November, uh, maybe than Absol they did a month ago? Absolutely, because, you know, from their perspective, this bill really did what they were trying to get done, and that was really take action on climate and put meaningful investments into climate, over $300 billion in new government spending. But the problem is, it is called the Inflation Reduction Act. And the top voting issue in the midterms is that prices are too high right now. So I think some of the issues that are going to come up over the next few months is that voters are going to be able to see what every time they go to the grocery store, every time they go to the gas pump, if prices actually are coming down. And if they aren't, even though this is called the Inflation Reduction Act, is that enough to convince voters that Democrats have done a good enough job to try to lower prices? Uh, but you're right. The White House is very confident that they've done something 
for progressives. And that was take action on climate and a lot of the pieces that were left out of the infrastructure bill that they wanted to be included in that, they actually got done before the midterm. So among progressives, they're probably pretty happy about this, but among swing voters, among moderates, uh, this has a potential to blow back on them if people don't see their grocery bills going down. Yeah, exactly. It's it's what what it feels like come November, Bill. I mean, and and there's a lot of question about what this this bill now law today will do in the short term, especially, but even in the long term uh, when it comes to enforcement of audits when it comes to um, taxes and how that sits? Yeah, um, I think what's clear to everyone except those inside Beltway is that reality matters. It doesn't matter what you call a bill. If it doesn't reduce inflation, it doesn't matter what the name is. So I think some of these victory laps are a little early. I think inflation is going to rise again. and you can't just fix that with a name. Uh, they have to do something. Um, uh, second point, and one just clarify on the raid. You know, I start with the principle that the elected officials are there to keep their eye on the government, not the government keeps their eye on the elected officials. So unlike a lot of people, I find it troubling that Merrick Garland, who is not elected, can make this decision about the rate that's unprecedented in our history without at least running it by Joe Biden. And we get into this game where the White House says, well, justice is independent, and therefore I refer all questions to you. And then you go there with their questions and they say, uh, we have an investigation going on, so we can't talk. I don't, I think the more important thing is not independence, but accountability. And I think that's a very dangerous way to work. And I think Mrs. Clinton would agree with me. You know, when Jim Comey usurped the role of the attorney general to do that press conference, um, categorizing all her faults, that's an outrageous breach of the way government's supposed to run. Yeah, one Well, I think that it's very important that there be uh, this wall between the politics and the execution of justice. I mean, that's why, you know, we have the image of justice with blindfolds on. I'm very sensitive to Bill's point. I'm listening to him carefully when he says that, you know, people who are in positions of power need to be accountable to voters. But I think that you also have a situation where you have a president who appointed an attorney general who is supposed to exercise justice with some sense of impartiality. Um, And that if we had the sense that he was Bobby Kennedy, uh, you know, the president's brother, or even if we had the sense that he was Jeff Sessions, uh, President Trump's first attorney general, or Bill Barr, uh, Trump's second attorney general, who were widely viewed as having very strong political antennas, I think there would be greater sense of outrage. I would just note and suggest that part of the deference being given to Merrick Garland is that he has all along conducted himself as someone who says, I am a man of the law and not of politics. But I'm very sensitive to what Bill was saying. I I, I understand and understand his concern. 
Yeah. All right, Hillary, let's wrap up with this. Uh, The first lady, unfortunately, is uh, tested positive for COVID-19. This after she isolated from the president who had COVID for a number of days and then tested again and had it again. Um, Seemed like he was testing positive for a long time. This is the CDC changes the guidelines. um, And we seem like we are 180 degrees from where we were two years ago um, with how people perceive COVID-19, what people do about it. And yet there are still these battles across the country about uh, mandatory vaccines and masks and and other things. Uh, It's interesting to see how this is going to be covered and dealt with by the administration going forward. Yeah. And I think, you know, you can it's really you can see it in plain sight with this COVID positive case among the first lady. She's a close contact of the president's. The president is not quarantining. He's going to wear a mask for 10 days. But, you know, we saw as he was leaving South Carolina, headed here to the White House, he took his mask off a few times on the tarmac to talk to people, to talk to the press. The mask was going on and off. Um, But there is um, not as much concern or worry. You're not seeing the president quarantine as well. Uh, The first lady is remaining in South Carolina. And then when she's done with her quarantine, she will join the president again. But I think you're right. You're seeing that uh, the American people are seeing from this that it's, you know, not what it was a year ago and not even what it was when the president first tested positive. You can see that someone can test positive multiple times and ultimately uh, they're able to continue working and go about their life. It'll be interesting to see if the CDC guidance really reflects that. And if this, you know, public state of a public health emergency, you know, that that we're under right now ultimately changes. I think it's also interesting from the Capitol Hill perspective, you still have proxy voting, you still have remote voting because people are able to say because of the public health emergency, I'm concerned about safety and showing up to work. Uh, I think you're going to see more people pushing to have to force Congress and, you know, House lawmakers to have to show up in person and go to work ultimately, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in workplaces across the country. All right. It will be interesting to see. Panel, thank you so much. And now for a bit of electoral history. August 16th, 2000, delegates at the Democratic National Convention in Los Angeles formally nominated Vice President Al Gore to be their nominee for president. The vice president soundly defeated a challenge from former Senator Bill Bradley to secure the nomination, but he'd go on to narrowly lose the election later that fall after the U.S. Supreme Court upheld in a 5-4 decision strictly based on equal protection grounds that the recount in Florida be stopped. This gave electoral votes in the state of Florida to then-Texas Governor George Walker Bush, G.W. Bush, making him the 43rd president of the United States. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Bill, Juan, and Hillary, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time.